Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Welcome back to Faith in Your Recovery, and thanks for joining us today. We appreciate your time and your interest, and we hope you'll walk away from here in a bit with just an encouraged heart, a lifted spirit, and greater hope than you have now. But before we get into our program today, we have something to offer you. We want to give you a chance to win our new book that'll be out here in just about a month, Recovery Conversations with Randy Davis. And here's how you can be entered for that. Simply email us a question or comment about any episode or even an idea for an upcoming show, and you'll be automatically entered in a drawing for a free copy of the book. Volume 1 should be available mid-July. Ten of our listeners will be lucky winners, so send that email to podcast at ablbh.org. Include your name and town of residence so we can give you a shout-out. So, here we are. Another Wednesday for us. We know our program breaks on a Friday, but we do our work on Wednesday. And we're glad to have with us from Union City, Indiana today, Catherine Critch. Welcome, Kat. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, we look forward to what you have to share. And we pride ourselves here at Faith in Your Recovery on talking about all things recovery because we recognize that it it touches the family, the community. And recovery isn't just for those on drugs or dealing with alcohol. We all suffer from some sort of PTSD or something we're recovering from, a relationship, a job loss. In this case, it's my understanding you've lost a son to drugs, yes? Yes, sir. We're going to talk about that here in just a little while. I know there are going to be many people out there who can relate to you. Chapter two of our new book is an interview with a gentleman by the name of Dan Watson from Dunkirk, Indiana, who lost his son to uh, to to heroin, I believe it was, fentanyl-laced heroin. And they thought he was doing well, and they lost him, and he continues to, to carry that struggle in his mind and his heart. He's doing well, and he's offering himself much like you are today. So tell us why you even accepted this opportunity to come and share the story. Well, I accepted this opportunity because I know for a fact I'm not the only one that has buried their child due to this um, pandemic or uh, whatever you want to call this opioid crisis. So I used to work in medicine as a respiratory therapist for many years, and I believed everything they said. And then I started reading and finding things out, especially after Corey's death, that not all things that are FDA approved or this or that is okay. So how old was Corey when you lost him and how long ago was that? So Corey would be 33 this year. He would have been 33 June the 10th, this last Saturday. And um, it's kind of ironic him being that day, I was doing a wedding that day to a wonderful family 
And the mom had known Corey from Community Corrections as she had worked there, and he was, you know, one of their people, I guess, is what you say. And we, as I was sorrowed for my son, I also watched two beautiful people start a new life on the same day. So that was a blessing in, in disguise. Sure. So what I'm here for is to let people know that, First, don't beat yourself up. I did that. We only know what we know. As long as we don't repeat that and we try to grow to do better, there's always the blessing at the end of the road. Even though it looks like the train, you will eventually see the light at the end of the tunnel. Once you get your focus off the the bad, the negative, and the revenge. My son was uh, meth-laced with fentanyl as well. I believe he might have been murdered more so than overdosed on his own due to the levels in my experience in medicine and my research. Getting your county sheriffs to do something about that at this point, even though we have a law out that says you leave someone, you can be held accountable. Exactly. And folks know that. Yes. Yes. And my son was left for six hours. How old was he when this happened? Yes, he was 27. So that's been about six, seven years. November the 24th will mark six years, yes, the day after Thanksgiving. Okay, okay. How long had he been fighting the battle with his addiction? How do you think it started? Where did it stem from? You know, you knew him better than anybody possibly could, and yet you didn't know everything either, I'm sure, or things may not have turned out the way they did. Absolutely, and that's another reason I am here. Sometimes we tend to be enablers because we think that's what makes them happy or we can help them and this will be the last or whatever. And I, Corey did time in prison. He did also time in jail. So first you have to learn to work through the jail talk because, yes, they're there. They realize they can't do it. Yes, they feel empathy. But when you've had probably past trauma that went unrecognized, And his biological father abandoned him, so my husband had adopted him at the age of five. So from then on, Corey, I kind of knew, was a little angry, so to speak. Like, in preschool, he threw chocolate on the teacher's white dress because somebody told him to. So he was a follower. So I had Corey in and out of 27 psychiatrists over his juvenile life by the time he was probably 17 or 18. I... Um, came from a divorced family, but my grandparents were a mainstay. So I understand where that anger comes from, and I really understand it today more than I ever did by watching all this partake and, and come to fruition. So the biggest thing is I tried to be Corey's friend, I think, more than his mother, and I had my own indiscretions. I never have done drugs other than cannabis, and that did heal me from an illness that I was given 27 pharmaceuticals for, including Vicodin and Xanax. So when I switched to, I call it the Lord's miracle medicine, because he does talk about it in Genesis, I believe in my opinion. I believe that we all have vices. Some is eating, some is this, and some is that. And we are in a society where we're trying to push God out of the picture and normalize things that are not normal. So as we see that and we see our schools and we see the drugs that they give our children, it makes me really think that we really need to start looking at natural medicine versus pharmaceutical. 
I say that on very many different levels, political, a citizen of the U.S., a patient myself, and the patients I've taken care of in the past. And the mother of a child who struggled with drugs or otherwise. That was started by a doctor. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So that's what everybody needs to realize. When we talk about somebody, someone, which is the addict, right? Darn betcha, that is someone, someone. That's my son. That could be your son. It could be his son. We are in a time where nothing is predictable. So if we can face this crisis head on and be honest with people and upfront and forthcoming, I think we can solve it one person at a time. No, we can't change the world all at once, but we can do it one at a time. And if we can do that, then that grows to one more and one more. It's just kind of that. uh, The domino effect. Yeah, that domino effect or pyramid scheme almost. We build healthy minds, healthy Mm -hmm. hearts, spirits, souls underneath that one who's leading them, which is powerful stuff. Absolutely. Because like I said, I was from a divorced mother and father who were nothing compared, excuse me, to my angelic grandparents. It doesn't matter. Your parents are your parents, good or bad. That's right. And we always cling to that. So I think, you know, sometimes it's, t- it's hard to do, but you've got to break that generational issue and stand up and say, this hasn't worked. Because I'm also adopting my nephews because my brother was an addict. My mother took them, but then she got sick, and now I'm adopting my nephews. So it affects everybody. It affects the taxpayers. It affects the citizens. It affects everybody, whether we want to look at that or not. And we need to bring that to the forefront and look at the really root causes of this, which is usually mental health. Yes, yes. That's our biggest battle in society right now. Uh, I've always had an affinity for the mental health issue. My mom was a suicide when I was 23, mm-hmm. and I remember Sorry. some of the rude comments that were made. That was back in the, uh, that was like 1973, mm-hmm. and that was back in the day where people didn't recognize it. You were crazy. Oh, if yeah, you, you need to be in a padded cell. Told, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, if you were told that somebody even thought of a red line went off in in horrible ways instead of dealing with them. So as you, how old was was Corey when he started? Let me hit that. So he was started on Adderall, which I come to find out later was an incredibly high dose that should have never been given anyway to a first-time patient, much less a minor. He was given a lot of Adderall. He first overdosed on Adderall when we had lived in Florida. So I knew we had a problem. So between 14 to probably 20 where I, or 18 where I no longer had control, I had him in those 28 psychiatrists, and he would look at them and tell them, you are not going to manipulate me into saying what you want. Try your, what do they call it, try your reverse psychology on somebody else. So growing up, I was pretty stable in my adult life. But I probably had issues, too, and the issue was I was a spoiled brat. So I was kind of one of them, like, well, why can't I, or da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, looking back, now I realize, too, it's kind of like when people say you go to college because you need a well-rounded education, right? I understand that today because if you don't understand how systems work, then you can never figure them out. Exactly. And that goes with our rehabs. That goes with everything. So I look at this issue um, much deeper. Now, I was mad. I'm still a little angry. 
But I never once questioned God. Never once. Because I know that I walk by faith, not by sight. I also believe that God prepares us in some way, subconsciously. So I kind of expected this to happen. I didn't know when, and I didn't know if, I just didn't know when. Okay. If that makes any sense. Absolutely it does. I've heard many from your seat speak speak in that way that just waiting on the phone call. Yes. And just a... A dark cloud every time the phone would ring, your heart would jump. Mm-hmm. So people say God can't know everything. So what I think about that is this. You have a conscience that does, and you know right from wrong, and you need to listen to that. And I didn't used to be a very nice person either. I was kind of grouchy, and like I said, I was a spoiled brat. That's kind of what I did to Corey. Looking back, I should have been more firm. I kept him in church. I did all that, but sometimes I didn't do what I preached. Gotcha. So what my biggest thing that I want people and parents to learn is this. It's easier to fix a broken child than a broken adult. And if we start out and keep godly things in our life and keep our kids around good people and build villages of support, whether it be your family or the homeless man or whoever, we don't know. Everybody has a story. I think we can conquer this at a younger age and teach them good behaviors to where they want to make people happy and proud, not only of them, but they need to be proud of themselves. That's where it has to start. Yes, so yes. self-esteem is a huge issue. It's a huge issue today. For us all. Mm-hmm. So where I'm going with that, as a mother, going through the turmoils of 14 years, where I almost probably went to prison too by protecting him, I just couldn't let anybody know they knew but I couldn't admit that that there was a trouble and that's just a parent's love I think and you know you try your best but today sitting here today I can say that I am comfortable and at peace where my son is today because he's not hurting himself and he's not going to be able to hurt anyone else and I am so fortunate to know where mine is at yeah how if you could go back, have time with him, what would you want to say? Uh, you know, be, before his death, what would the conversation sound like? Now that you have Looking the back, knowledge you have now. Absolutely. Uh, today's knowledge with yesterday's experience. Yes. So the first thing I would have done is no meant no and do it lovingly and not yell. Gotcha. Because when you so yell, the chaos is there. You get used to it, and you can't get used to the normal. Then, heck, everybody's yelling. And you've got to yell louder the next time. Right, and that's kind of what I grew up with, with my parents. So, But Grandma and Grandpa was solace. So I'm glad I had that. Corey didn't have that because my mom was still a little angry at life probably, too. My brother was an addict. We knew, but nobody wanted to accept it, so we pushed it all under the table. And that's the one thing I want. It's not always the strangers that start your kids on drugs. Uh, we've got a lot of stories of fathers uh, shooting up with their son. Or My brother. Or giving their daughter her first uh, marijuana mm -hmm. and things going on from their parent. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, big brother giving it to little sister, vice versa kind of thing. And as I look at that, I see why that happens. 
because I think they get in the drugs and the, it, it reformats how you think, obviously. And then they just want to see somebody else well, hurt like them because yes. they've never had that love or that unconditional, I'm here for you, I gave my son, right? They don't have that. So they have no idea how to even cope. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the old adage, misery loves company. <laughs> so, And that's very true. And, and raising my son, like I said, I was an okay mother, but I wasn't the best mother. I, there was lots of things I could change. Sometimes I would put men after my divorce. I was married for 16 years because I was just lost myself. You can't have that inconsistency around your children. Yeah. So when I ha had my other son, Sammy, who was seven years younger than Corey, and then I adopted one out of the system, which actually is the brother to my grandbaby's mother. So I adopted him out of the system and then Corey passed. So I fight grandparents' rights now, too. And that's what, something else. When you lose your son or your daughter, you have a right to see your grandchildren. Fight for that. The more we fight for that in this state, the more we can protect our children. Yes. Yes. So so if any of the rest of them had any, the three that you just mentioned, are there any addictions there within those three? So my brother was an addict. My mother was an addict. I have never done anything other than what the doctor has prescribed, which I look as is get bad as street drugs at this point, other than cannabis. I can't get into that addict's mind because I wasn't there with those precursors. I was there with wanting things that I didn't have the money for, so I changed tags and got ultimately busted myself. So looking back, if you have faith and you, and you have that heart and you have that Christianity and those people around you, anybody can change. Cause I did. Yes. I believe that. And today looking back, my other two kids, which is the one I adopted and Sammy, they are great, but I didn't baby them. Mother I was their mother then. Way. Not a friend, as you said, with Corey. Yes. I was 19 when I had Corey. I didn't have the best structure growing up either. I'm not going to blame my mother because I am free will. I'm not going to blame my father. I am free will. Speaking back to that, my brother's the first one that shot up with Corey. He's the one who enticed my son. But my mother's people enticed my brother. So you see, that's what I'm saying when we, we got to break that generational. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Break that generational curse. And the scriptures even talk about how your sins were revisited. Like four generations, forgive me if I'm wrong on that No, number. I totally believe. Yeah, it's three or five, three, four or five. I believe it's four. So if people can't and don't want to believe the godliness of the earth or the Bible or what God has said, they need to look at that in another way. That's called karma. We always, whatever we put out in this world is what we're going to get back. Do I feel that God punished me by taking my son Sometimes, absolutely, because I wasn't the best I should have been. But as I look at it today, Corey was broken. I had lost Corey mentally a long time ago. I noticed you said that on your bio. I'm glad mm -hmm. you addressed that and explained that. And yes. that's why I said like that subconscious and God and stuff, I would see signs of it. But today, on the flip side, I see cardinals. I see rainbows. I've had birds ride my window. I've seen more people that have had the same situation, and that is from heaven. That's my sign that it is okay, and where he is at, he is okay. And I don't mean to sound very selfish. I spent most of my life chasing him and trying to make him safe. He spent six years in prison. 
That's another thing I would like to address, too, is I don't think God intended for prisons like we have them now. I don't I think they're there, but I think if we did a lot of love and rehab and construction and stability and not you do this or you're getting in a you know that or that, we would see a lot better ways. But God's being cut out of everything. Nobody wants God anymore until something happens, like the school shooting, then it's oh God. So the chaos is going to ensue. If we're not gonna follow the guidelines yes. and we're gonna make our own, we're gonna pay that price yes. as a society. And whether we're talking yes. prison or the schools, as you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. I have probably committed all Ten Commandments except murder, and I might have done that in my mind, right? Well, the scriptures say what? Uh, even it, if you think if, it. If you're, yeah, if you're with anger, even, mm-hmm. you commit that. Yes. So in that sense, we all have. So in Corey's death, it brought me peace. And it brought me time to understand who I was, who God was, who Belzebub was, and who was my trees? Were they leaves, they branches, or were they roots? And if they weren't the roots or the branches, I cannot waste time on people who do not want to help themselves when there's so many people out here who do want that help. So I've kind of committed my life to being a giver. So how long did it take you to come to that revelation after Corey's passing? I'm going to guess at one it wasn't instant by any means. Hours. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I see the people that were involved, and every time I still get nervous. I still get that feeling, and I just ask God, you guide me through this. We've came this far, so I know you mean me no bad, and my choices are good. So just guide me through this. The same way as coming here. I didn't prepare for this. This is totally spiritual. Because I listen to my spirit music, I get myself in that grind, and that's where we're at. But if we don't put God back in these schools and back into the hearts of people, we're not going to make it. The scripture's clear. We place him first. All other things fall into place. And that's everything you've listed here in the last few minutes. So another thing, back to the Corey and the passing. Me being Bible taught and, and getting that relationship with God too, right? And I know that God loves everybody because he loves sinners. And I will be a sinner till the day I die. But that doesn't mean he doesn't love me. As long as I don't go out there and repeat it all the time, then you're okay. You've got to change that behavior. That's why I'm changing this generational shift into my family. We're just not going to go there anymore. It's not worth it. We solve nothing yelling. We solve nothing throwing. We solve nothing in any of that. We have to sit down as humans because guess what? We all breathe the same air. We're meant to communicate, first with him, then each other. Absolutely. Uh, And That cross has a vertical member as well as a horizontal member. I believe that's what it's saying to us. Look first to me and then to those others. Well, the Lord says, seek my name and I shall free your nation. Yes, yes. Another thing, back to that Corey thing I didn't, babies and fools. I know that God loves babies and fools. And Corey may not have been a baby, but in his mind he was. In his action, he was a fool. And I don't believe he went to hell. We're all in the middle of that somewhere between baby and fool. Regardless of our chronological age, that doesn't mean we're of a mature nature. Absolutely. Another thing I want people to understand, when an addict becomes an addict, and they're going through that, that's the roughest times of their life. 
And they're not there because they want to be. And we don't need to condemn them. We need to get them with open arms and show them a better way. I can tell that goat all day what to do. But until I show that goat where the water is, he don't know. Yeah. But that's that's interesting in this, too. Look at the animal life. God did perfect. So we as humans need to look at that, too, as our our guidance almost. He's placed us above every living creature, but it doesn't mean they're a type of less value to where we can't learn from them. And I'm scared to death today of artificial intelligence and how much time our kids play on the Internet and these games. Granted, we were just we weren't born into it, but my son was born into that. My nephews are born into it. I find that no different than um, addiction. It is an addiction, and it is an addiction. And we're yes. going to be sorry if we don't start watching what's on these phones. And I know parents, it's hard. I know because it takes both of us to work these days. But you've got to invest that time in that kid, or he will become a menace to society at no fault of his own. And you said it early on, we don't know what we don't know. And if we're not taught the right way, how do we know to go or what is the right way? Because Mm -hmm. the world's going to lead us in a direction of anything other than what's right and what's best and what's healthy. Mm -hmm. Because you go back to Beelzebub, as you mentioned here a minute ago. You go back to that that negative influence on our lives, that pull to the darkness. The Mm -hmm. darkness has a greater pull than the light. But I always like the, the illustration and the idea that the slightest amount of light can extinguish the darkness, but darkness can just consume us if we allow it to. I agree with that a hundred percent. But I also brings I also come to the realization with all darkness comes light. Go ahead with that. So what I mean by that is, you can try to hide from yourself. You can try to hide from whoever, but you're none of us are escaping this life alive. So where do you want to be on the post? Another thing is you see today in, in, in the world we are pulling away from God. He said in the end days it would be hard to remain a Christian. I cling to that today because we, we don't want God anywhere except when it's too late. So it's like the gun problem. I don't believe we have a gun problem in this country. We have a heart problem. Yes. yes. We have an obedience problem. We have a respect problem. We have manners problem. We have a moral compass problem today. Oh, I believe that with all my heart. So... If we don't cling and become a village, the devil will win. Yeah. Well, there will always be a village. Is it going to be a positive influence or a negative? And so many who go through traumas early in life and lack that feeling of acceptance, value, and worth, they're going to find it in what group or another many times it's that one that meets in the alley Mm -hmm. uh, into the darkness to add on to that my grandfather had a very good metaphor in that if you don't get or give your children what they need at home somebody else will yeah and that's very true today we have drugs and violence and gangs and pedophilia and we're trying to make pedophilia normal and on and on and on We've got to stop for a minute and breathe and say what is right and what is wrong. 
and come to that acceptance and have these hard conversations. We've got to know where we stand and stand on what we know and know as much as we can. And, uh, you know, it, the scriptures talk about the wavering wheat and everything. We can't blow with the wind. No. We've got to be there and be there strong for each season of life. And for those who are part of our life, mm-hmm. uh, the guidance that Corey needed, uh, you know, the guidance my children need, if we're going to influence them, and everything we do is an influence. Absolutely. That. And uh, we're being seen, we're being watched. What challenge would you like to give to the folks out there who are listening that, that have a child who's dealing with addiction? So what I would encourage them, and I don't ever like bringing political and religion together, but however, we, we who are losing our children, and there's not a family known on this earth right now who hasn't suffered with this somewhere in their line or in their family or knew somebody or something. This is very close to each and every one of us. If we don't vote the fools out that keep letting things happen, we're never going to get there. So we have to stand up and unite at that poll box as well and rally. Rally these people who don't want the right things. Let's get out there and unite just like they did back in the days. Yes, yes. We've got to, first off, recognize where we stand on all of this personally. And yes. then we uh, we gather that community together, that village, and we stand on that purpose and seek someone else who is doing that, who we're going to be able to uh, vote for or against. Absolutely. Research them. We have, the, we have everything at our hands today. There's no excuse to not be educating yourself unless you need help doing that by a learning disability or whatever. Because I believe if everybody can watch these phones like they do, they can educate themselves too. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, I stand amazed at the availability of knowledge today with all the technology there is. I remember that day where I had to call 289-2511 on the phone to get the time and temperature. Me too, me too. I remember that day where you called the library with a question and they'd either give you the answer or hunt for it. you call them back and they'd call you. And now we carry computers in our pockets and purses. That phone's an incredible tool. Are we going to use it for the good? Exactly. Of I mean, kind in God's creation. I look at that phone time, times like a chip. I mean, going to there and having that human connection, they're trying to stop that. Going, and I feel bad for our elderly or those who don't learn as quickly. How are they going to survive in this world when nobody takes the time out? to see them as a human or a brother or sister. So if we could come back to the to the table and and just have respect for each other and agree to disagree, imagine where we could be. I love the thoughts of agreeing to disagree. I enjoy, I'll, I'll be honest, and my friends recognize this, I'll put something controversial or a question of challenge on Facebook, wanting opinions, but I will not give mine because I don't want to influence anybody else's. I want to hear, and I get it from both sides then, and those who go, you must think, and I just simply don't respond because I want to know other people's thinking. Uh, 
because they're thinking differently than me, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to mean they're wrong. That's absolutely right. You I know. see that on my own feeds. People will just want to start being derogatory or what have it. And I'm like, they're like, why do you post stuff like this? I'm like, because I want to see what everybody else thinks. Yeah. Yeah. And then I hope it sparks a conversation that we can continue and bring unity to people and bring that same air that we breathe that everybody breathes. Yes, we need to know where others stand. <laughs> I have a, a large poster at home that has the number six on it. You look at it from one side, it looks like a six. If it was here on the table between us to you, it would look like a nine. But it's the very same number your mm-hmm. your opinions as accurate as mine i believe two people can stand on different sides and both be right i definitely agree to that when i ran for state senate i campaigned with my democrat opponent we did the walk together so you're saying you were republican yes, yes? Mm-hmm. and you but i'm more a humanitarian it's about human and social uh, issues. I agree, but I understand how you've got to be a party affiliated to make that happen. Even. Unfortunately, yeah. I wish we would get rid of all those titles and may the best man win. <laughs> Wouldn't our world be in a better place? <laughs> and in term, so limits. term limits. Term yeah. limits. I think the Bible does talk about too much power, too long, this and that. So if we could just, you know, everybody says, oh, we have these kids and nobody gives us a book on how to take care of them. Oh, yeah, that book is there. You just got to choose to read it and read believe it. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, read it, receive it, and uh, live on it. So, right, live by yes. example. Yes. If if Corey was with us today, what, what would you want to say to him? Well, I would want to tell him first, I'm sorry that um, we ever argued, and I shouldn't have done that as a mother. I'm sorry that I ever made him feel guilty for something he did that maybe I did. So I would, I would look at this in a whole new approach like I do with the others today. Instead of being demanding stuff, instead of saying you need to do that or this, that, and that, I would say could we. I would reword my, my words because words are powerful. Oh, my. And that's what I would tell these parents out there today that either have an addict or don't or whatever. Patience, loving, demonstrating, and keeping your word. I was going to add consistently, but keeping your word covers consistently. Right. Uh, how's a child going to learn if you're wishy-washy with any kind of actions before them? They're only confused worse. Right. I probably used to believe a little bit in spanking, but today I believe in sitting that kid down, telling him the right way, the wrong way, and tell him about free will choice. I would instill that free will choice through God from the very beginning this time as well. Instead of going to church on Sunday to be there, I would have manifested in that and delivered it in my own matrix. Yes, yes, yes. A final question here. The the label, the name of our podcast is Faith in Your Recovery. What does that mean to you, Kat? Uh, How would you define that or describe it? So that to me but makes me want to say that what you need to do first is you've got to learn to love yourself. you got to learn to learn who you are. Have that self-esteem and that confidence. And then you can carry that out through the world as well. So I just think that if we could agree to disagree, 
look at everyone like that could be our family member or our loved one or our best friend or a stranger. And if we could get rid of the hostility and the negativity in this world and look for the positive and walk by faith and not by sight, when you believe it, it can happen. And that's the faith in recovery probably is to continue those things, taking it out and keep utilizing what you have learned. Awesome. Awesome. Then that can be shared with others as well. Listen, is there anything else you'd like to say as we wrap this up? Well, sometimes I tend to be all over the place, and I do apologize, but, you know. No apology necessary. We, we think no. a lot. Well, I appreciate, because some of the things you brought up, I wouldn't have thought of mentioning. So, <laughs> well, thank no, you. I, I like that. That helps keep it fresh. Right. So, yeah, I kind of want to get out there and, and tell people what I've been through and look at me today. You can do anything. They did have me medically dead at 30, and Corey also had to watch his mom. I would die. My heart would stop. That was my illness, but like I said, we we fixed it with something because of a system, endocannabinoid in your system. Sometimes we always forget what we're going to say, too. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, we thank you for your time, for the drive over from Union City. We're thankful that Amber and Josh came along with you. Uh, best, Best of luck in your journey. Thank you for joining us, Uh, folks. Be ready to share this with your friends. We've all got somebody in our lives who's who's lost a child to this this ugly disease, the hideousness and everything that goes on with addiction. But we're not done in the fight. We're going to stay in the battle, and we're going to be there with you. We're going to be there for you. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. <laughs>